The bidding war for Yoshinobu Yamamoto has officially begun. Will the Mets land their guy? I'll talk about it on today's show. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On. Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we will be looking into the bidding war that just began on Monday for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. They are finally fielding free agent offers. The chance that this gets all wrapped up by the end of the week. I'll explain what's going to happen in this process in the first segment. In the second segment, I'll get to the godfather offer that Steve Cohen could put forth that will get Yamamoto to sign. And then in the last segment, there is a minor trade to discuss as David Stearns added yet another reliever to his large stable of guys that are vying for a spot in the Mets bullpen. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X. Ficklestein Ryan. You also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right on new customers. Get $150 of bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Well, Monday was a big day for the New York Mets in this offseason, as it was reported that the bidding has finally begun on Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Obviously, there was a lot of meetings. Yamamoto met with as many as seven teams, and they were never really fielding offers yet. It's about getting to know the teams, landing spots, what each specific team could offer, how they pitched to them. And then now, apparently, the offers can start to roll in. They are finally going to field offers, which would mean that we're getting close to a resolution. I think Mike Puma was the story I read it in today, although I was reading a lot of Yamamoto stuff throughout the day. Uh, I believe there was something in there that Mets officials believe that this will wrap up by Christmas. So this is the week. At some point, we should finally get some resolution on the one free agent that the Mets' entire offseason is hinging on. What will Yamamoto do? Another thing that we've learned is the Mets are not submitting a bid right away. They're going to wait a little bit, which I think is a total power move because there's no world where Yamamoto's agent doesn't at least call up the Mets and see what their offer is. Or, you know, there's no way that the process ends with the Mets getting an offer, in, right? So you let the other teams make their, their offers. You let the Red Sox and the Giants and the Phillies and the Blue Jays and the Dodgers and the Yankees, let, let them all submit their, their offers. And then you come forward with the offer. And I think the question is going to be how big is that offer and will it blow everyone out of the way to the point that no one's willing to match that offer or do the Mets set that line that other teams are going to try to meet. And if those teams meet it, do the Mets get another opportunity to extend that line further? If Yamamoto's agent is doing his job, probably – And then the question just becomes, at what point do the other teams stop bidding? 
Or is this a situation where it's not going to just be the highest bidder? Is there some amount of money that they're trying to get to, but they have other teams that they like more than the Mets? If Yamamoto has wanted to be a Yankee his entire life, uh, and that was always the team, and they have a line in the sand now, let's get past Garrett Cole's number of $324 million. And the Yankees meet that. Is he just going to end up signing off on it? Does he believe the Yankees are the team for him to spend the next decade? Does he want to go to the Dodgers and be part of that star-studded team? This is where this gets really interesting, and at least we're going to get to a resolution at some point. But I think the Mets have a really good shot at this. For one, I do believe that they are a destination that offers him a lot. It's just a matter of if Yamamoto feels that way as well. But I think that... Kodai Senga really laid the blueprint here. He laid the groundwork for this to happen. Because if you recall all the way at the beginning of this process, what were the things that we first heard about Yoshinobu Yamamoto as far as what would attract him? One, big market. Okay, Matt's got that. Um, Two, a team that can help him make a quick transition to the big leagues. This is a guy that, I think wants to be at the absolute height of the sport. Does he want to win? I'm sure, but he wants to be the best. He was an MVP in the NPB the last three years, not just to Cy Young. I mean, they have their, their name for it, but he won, of course, their version of the Cy Young award. He won three triple crowns, all that, but he was so good that he was the most valuable player. So he wants to be, as good as possible. He wants to be the best pitcher on the planet. And Kodai Senga, someone that came through the MPB, had a lot of success, made as seamless of a transition to Major League Baseball as any of the Japanese pitchers that have come over previously. And he can look at the Mets and say, okay, well, they can get that part of it done. Now, the question is, are the Mets a franchise that is deemed worthy of his talents, a team that can actually compete because I think that's going to be important too. It might not be the end all be all, but it doesn't want to go to some scrub franchise. And that's where I don't know how the Mets end up falling out in all this. Not that I'm going to call them a scrub franchise, but when you're you know, going up against the Yankees and the Dodgers teams that are just always in the playoffs no, that that's something that can weigh against you, certainly, because the Mets have not been that team. Now, I will say that this is a little bit different than the Shohei Otani free agency, because for Otani, he has been losing here for a while, and so it doesn't surprise me at all, because I was always saying I think he ends up with the Dodgers. Then he went to the team where he knows he's going to win. I don't know if Yamamoto needs to know he's going to win right now. And I think the reason is that his contract, I don't believe it's going to be a straight 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year deal. Whatever that final year comes in at, I believe it's going to have opt-outs. I wouldn't be surprised if there's an opt-out after the fourth year where he can you know, hit free agency one more time before he turns 30. And so he can always get himself out of a situation that's not ideal to spend his entire career at. But you also have to put a contract in front of him where, you know, if 
it is his entire career, he's absolutely set. So it, it's going to be a crazy deal. I'm sure he's getting $300 million at this point. And I'm sure that any of these teams, if you know, they, they get the understanding that they're the team that Yamamoto most wants to go to, I think they'll all meet that $300 million price tag, whether that's in a nine-year deal or if it's you know 10 years or beyond. I think they'll all go there. But as the baiting war begins and these teams start to place their offers and then eventually maybe it's Tuesday, maybe it's Wednesday, Steve Cohen's offer gets out there. How much further is he willing to push this? How determined is he to get this done? There was once a point in time where Max Scherzer was a free agent and he gave him $43.33 million a year to set the AAV record. So what's that number going to be? That's what we're going to discuss next. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. If you think about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. You got the NFL season winding down. Playoffs are going to be around the corner before you know it. You got the NBA games every single night, so there's always something that you can be playing over at FanDuel. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including the spread, player props, over-unders, and more. You can create a parlay as well, so you can uh, you know, bet on whatever NBA star you want to score a certain amount of points to get however many rebounds for the team to win. You can bet on uh, you know, the over under the game and also still bet on the points if you want to. There's so many different ways that you can play at FanDuel. And again, remember, you place that $5 money line bet. If you win that, you're going to get the $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. If you don't want to miss out on any of the latest Mets news this offseason, make sure you become a Locked On Mets Insider. This is our texting service where I send updates anytime something breaks on the Mets. Also send my hot takes over there. You can ask me any questions you want. It's one-on-one communication, so you can send me a message anytime. I try to answer all of those questions. I appreciate all of you subscribe and all of you who will subscribe. You can find the link in the episode description or go to subtext.com slash LockedOnMets. Now, the Mets are going to submit the ultimate FU offer, right? If it's Steve Cohen, I got more money than all of you. I'm going to lay it all out there. And if they don't take that godfather offer, it is what it is. I tried my damnedest to get this thing done. What does that look like? This all started with, you know, could Yamamoto get $175 million? Could he break through and get to $200 million? Could he get to... 225, 250, 275, 300 now seems like the starting point, which is crazy. How far can it go? Because Yamamoto is 25 years old, I always said that this could come down to years. No one's ever given a 10-year deal to a pitcher. 
doesn't happen. Garrett Cole's nine-year deal is extremely rare. So you just don't see it. Typically in the past, it's been you know, seven years. That's as far as you'd go. But pitchers aren't usually free since at 25. I think he's going to get at least 10 all of a sudden. And where the Mets make this thing even better and better, and they just get it to a crazy point by going to an 11th year, maybe even going to a 12th year. And here's the thing. Free agents, they like a lot of money, of course. Agents love big numbers, big round numbers. Could this go to $400 million? Could it get that far? I was curious, right? So I put it into the old calculator, 400. I divided it by 12. What does that get you to? 33.3333333333 million dollars. An AAV that I don't think would be surprising. Over a 12-year deal? Yeah, it's crazy. It is. I'm not saying that that's a reasonable contract for anyone to give out. Anyone not named Steve Cohen. If you're already going to go and give the guy $30 million a year, what's 33 Because if the bidding starts at, let's just go to $300 million, get the calculator out right in front of me, divide that by nine. What is that? That would be $33.3333 million. It's the same thing. It's three more years, but it's the same AAV. If all these teams are willing to go to that number for an average annual basis, but they don't want to tack on three extra years and an extra $100 million, why not be the team that goes there? Why not if that's what gets the job done? Well, it's because a 12-year contract on a pitcher is an insane amount of risk. But then I'm reading today Jeff Passan's article, and I, I all of you should read that if you're interested in Yamamoto. I mean, just look up Yamamoto ESPN or Yamamoto Jeff Passan. You'll find it. I believe he unlocked it so anyone can get it. I don't think you need ESPN Plus or any of that. Talks about who this guy is. That he has this duffel bag that he brings with him, you know, to to you know go through his his program. And it's got these soccer balls that he throws against the wall to get his arm ready, and these javelins that he throws in the outfield and throws them an insane distance. And his teammates usually just watching on and they try to pick him up themselves and they can't do it. How this guy, you know, gets on his hands and he's walking around the room on his palms and He's ultimate flexibility. He doesn't lift any weights. And they mentioned how it's very similar to what Tom Brady has done with elongating the muscles and you know all of the body movement and everything else. And it just gets you to the point with this guy that you think he is one of one, a one of one pitcher. Does that mean that arm injuries aren't going to happen for him? We won't know. I mean, you have to watch his career play out. But the New York Mets are a franchise that can make a mistake like this. And I'm not calling it a mistake. I'm saying a 12-year deal could very easily become a mistake. It can't. But they can 
absorb that level of risk because if it doesn't work out and Steve Cohen has to swallow it hard, he can do it. He can do it. But the upside that this guy possesses is astronomical. You'll have an ace. You can win this season. You'll have two pitchers with Yamamoto and Senga that you can go to war with. you got Quintana. You have Severino. You have all that depth between the McGill, Lucchese, Budos of the world, the guys in the minor league system, and you know they'd keep on at it if they got Yamamoto. I don't know who that other arm is. I don't know if they're swinging a trade all of a sudden because now they feel more comfortable trading for a year of Shane Bieber because guess what? They have Yamamoto locked up for 12 years. And the thing about the 12-year commitment, while it would be gaudy, why it's you know could be $400 million, that's a mark that people don't want to go to. You got to pay the posting fee on $400 million, which I did the math on, I think, 320 And or was it 320 I believe it was 320 when I did the math. I know the math on $300 million is $46.9 million on the posting fee. I think 320 was right up there at, uh, you know, 49.9 and if you know every 20 million is three million dollars added you know what's that then you know maybe 15 onto it so maybe you get that posting fee closer to to 60 million and now it's a 460 million dollar investment it might get to a point where no team matches and then it just depends would this guy consider going to the match is it to that degree Because if he turns that down and wants to go somewhere else, well, you tried. The Mets have to come at this with the biggest offer. The funny thing about that $400 million offer in the 12 years that I laid out is it's really not that different than a $300 million nine-year deal. Yes, there's three extra years of risk. Don't get me wrong. But if it got to that point, I really think you're you're sitting in a pretty similar boat, honestly. Again, you know, if it's going to go bad, it's going to go bad. And I think the reason why so many teams are interested is because as risky as it is to give a pitcher that many years, this is a guy that's worth all of that risk because he seems like that much of a can't miss. And with that said, you're going to give him a contract that's going to have opt-outs in it. And yeah, who's going to opt out of a $400 million contract? Someone that in the first four years of this deal proves he's the best pitcher on the planet and could hit free agency again at 29 years old or whatever it ends up being and can take another bite at the apple and get another 10-year deal at a higher AAV even when the sport has inflated even further when it comes to money guys are getting. So armed with the knowledge that there might be opt-outs and you might get out of the crazy contract you put forth in the beginning, Knowing what this guy can give you and knowing the alternative, which is just if you're Steve Cohen, you think he really wants to strike out on this guy and have to just sit back and you know either get Shota Imanaga or Lucas Giolito and almost call it an offseason and know that 2024 is just going to be a miserable year? I don't think so. And so I think the Mets are going to be extremely aggressive. You know, I might have gone further in this show talking about a $400 million contract than most think it's going to get to. And it might not ever get anywhere close to that. 
but again, if you really think about the numbers, the average annual value side of it, it becomes a little less crazy than it is on the surface when you say 12 year deal for a pitcher and you know, 400 million. Remember, if they sign Corbin Burns to an eight year deal next offseason, I'm pretty sure that might extend, that will extend further than what a 12 year deal would on Yamamoto or very similar. Corbin Burns is currently 29 years old um, and he turned that in October. So he'll be 30. Free agency that gets him to 38. Yeah. So again, as crazy as it sounds, it's also not crazy for this dude. But now the beauty is there's an end date in sight. Christmas, Sunday. Hopefully this resolves before then. Maybe we know by Friday or Saturday where this guy lands. And uh, I can't wait for some resolution on all of this one way or the other because it'd be great to know where the Mets stand and you know, what we can hope for or expect next. Anyway, that's enough Yamamoto talk today. The Mets made a trade. Got another reliever in that big, big stable of a bullpen that David Stearns is uh, constructing. So I'll break down who they acquired in just a minute. First, though, another word from our sponsors. Locked On has launched the first ever 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube covering all the latest in the world of sports with our local experts on every team and our league-wide experts on each league. You can find that at Locked On Sports Today on YouTube. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button as I record right now. I'm 11 subscribers away on this channel from getting to 7,500 subs. Really appreciate all of you take the second to hit that button. Now, the Mets made a trade for a reliever today, acquiring Johan Ramirez from the Chicago White Sox for cash. So you can't beat an acquisition like that. Six foot four right hander. He's 28 years old, sits 95 with the sinker, had a sweeper that had a whiff percentage over 37% last year. So that tells you that is a nasty pitch with a lot of break, gets a lot of ground balls with his sinker. I think the ground ball rate was close to 60% last year. So that's really solid. The guy pans out. You got a cost control reliever that won't be a free agent until 2028. It doesn't work out. All it took was cash to get him. Um, last year, he pitched to a 367 ERA in 34 and a third innings pitched with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Ended up with the White Sox at the end of the year. Uh, four games, excuse me, five games, four innings allowed, four earned runs. So that pushed his season ERA altogether to 4.23. But I would focus more on the team he spent a majority of the year with um, in Pittsburgh because, again, you know that was a larger representative sample. It also lined up with what he did in 2022. He had an identical 367 ERA with the Pirates. That year he was passed around a bit, had some time in Seattle, some time in Cleveland. The fact that he was with the Mariners for some time usually is a good sign. They're a team that always seems to find some quality relief pitching Altogether in his career, a 399 ERA, 124 innings pitched. So he's had success. Again, big guy, gets a lot of extension. Um, you know, the sinker is going to play pretty well. Um, the sweeper obviously is a plus pitch. And I think the idea here is you get him in your pitching lab, 
you continue to work on those two offerings and you see what you get here. But the Mets have continued to add a lot of relief pitching. This is a guy that I think has uh, a really good shot of making the bullpen. I mean, he's going into a very fierce competition with how many relievers the Mets have acquired this offseason. Uh, it's going to be crazy to even get this many guys innings when it comes to a grapefruit league action when you get to that point. But of course, there's always backfields. There's a lot of games where you can monitor them. I'm sure, you're going to run them all through your, your pitching lab. You're going to be mapping out what they have in, in their arsenal, how it's moving, how effective they are, um, all of that good stuff. And, and I really do trust that David Stars knows what he do, he's doing. And even if the Mets don't add any high-end relievers, which I still hope they do, I've been holding out hope for a David Robertson reunion. We'll see what happens. He'd probably be more likely to come to the Mets if they got Yoshinobu Yamamoto and seem like a team that really could contend this year. But even if the Mets do nothing, I feel like the bullpen is going to be a strong point of the team this upcoming season. I really do. And Johan Ramirez is just another solid addition. I think if I had to rank what the Mets have done this offseason when it comes to those bullpen additions, I think Jorge Lopez and Johan Ramirez are the two guys that have the best chance of being in the bullpen. You know, Lopez, he signed the major league deal, so he's he's going to be there. Uh, but I think he has a chance to be really effective. Johan Ramirez, I don't know if he's necessarily a leverage guy, you know, pitching in the seventh and eighth inning. But if you get a really good sixth inning guy out of him and he can stick in the pen for a while, would be a, a, a good acquisition. The one thing I don't love here, he has been up and down enough where there's no more options on him. So. You can't park him in Syracuse. You'd have to push him through waivers. And that's probably why the Mets are able to acquire him for cash. You know, if there was still options available to the White Sox, they're probably hanging on to him. But because he's a guy that didn't have those options and, and could, uh, you know, be forced to face the waiver system at some point, they probably decide, you know what, let's take whatever cash offer the Mets were given on him and, and move on from him. So we'll see. We'll see if he ends up being a diamond in the rough. Again, I think David Stern's you know, whole entire goal this offseason when it comes to building the bullpen is you throw as many darts at the board as you can, and a couple of them are bound to hit the bullseye. And I think it's a good theory. I really do. Um, and it's also funny that it seems like they're prioritizing guys who are coming off bad 2022 seasons. Um, or excuse me, 2023 seasons. Man, isn't it crazy that we're about to be in 2024, people? It's nuts. Regardless. You know, it, it, it's funny because it is that sort of running joke, right? With with bullpen arms, they always have a good year after a bad year. If they're coming off a good year, expect a bad year to come. So it's kind of uh, part of the strategy here. It's all right. We'll take the guys that were really good or solid in 2022 and had that down year in 2023 because guess what? We believe they're going to regress back to the mean and be solid in, in 2024. And I think it'll work. I really do. Um, again, when it comes to this team right now, you're really concerned about the starting pitching. I think that's ultimately where everything is going to hinge right now. Are the Mets going to be a team that can compete or not? It really comes down to that. Um, so hopefully, you know, Yoshinobu Yamamoto will end up swaying all of our concerns and he'll sign a crazy contract with the Mets this week. And uh, Steve Cohen will, Get you all a, a nice Christmas present under the tree um, after 
We all waited out Hanukkah without seeing much of anything. That's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. Assuming we don't get any news tomorrow, I will get to the show I promised you yesterday, which was a podcast breaking down what a pre-arb extension would look like for Francisco Alvarez. So if you don't want to miss that show, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, become a Locked on Mets insider. You can find that link in the episode description. And now that you've come to the end of the show, Make sure you check out Locked On Sports today, 24-7, streaming all of the latest in the world of sports.